Welcome to the Tripping Off Podcast. My name is Jesse Lyon, dream interpreter, influencer, and hypnotherapist, and I'm here to talk to you today about something that's really important to me, about the diagnoses that we receive in mental health. And as you can see, I'm standing up. This is how passionate I am about this topic, because as I was going throughout the week, a quote came to my head, um, a, a phrase came to my head, and I thought to myself, how much pain people experience when they get their mental health diagnosis. I was actually posting a video on TikTok where we talked about how those people who have borderline personality disorder are much more likely to get reality confused with their dreams. Sometimes they think that certain things happened in real life when they didn't, they just happened in their dreams. Uh, and this is pretty common for those with disassociative type symptoms, also those who have experienced trauma. Uh, and trauma and disassociative symptoms are some of the main diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder. So you can kind of see it makes sense that they would have this struggle. And a lot of people, uh, especially those who receive a personality diagnosis, are very hesitant, reluctant, avoidant, and resistant. It's a lot of words to that diagnosis. And it makes sense because when I talk with those people who receive a diagnosis or those people when I'm trying to say, hey, you ever thought maybe that this is going on? They usually don't like that very much. And I can't really blame them all that much because the way that they're thinking about it is so negative. And so today I'm speaking with you here to present you with a new mental framework. Everything that I do with hypnotherapy and with dream interpretation is all about providing a new framework with which to love, accept, and care for yourself. We all walk around with a cognitive structure that we use to break down life's problems and difficulties, the stresses that we go through into manageable sizes. And so we take this mental structure and we use it to chunk things. But sometimes that mental structure is damaging. Sometimes it's broken. Sometimes instead of saying, oh, I made a mistake, let's try it again and move forward, our mental structure says, I made a mistake, I'm worthless, I need to hide and separate myself from the world. And that's, that's not true. One provides people with motivation and energy to move forward, to pursue and to connect deeply and meaningfully with the world and their community. The other one isolates them causes them to feel lonely, it causes them to separate, to hide, to be ashamed, not only of what they've done, but who they are as a person. And I couldn't think of a better thing to dedicate my life to than to helping people improve their cognitive structures because that's the difference between somebody who's hurt, alone, and broken, and somebody who's unique and gifted and has something special to offer the world and is willing to accept help because they understand they have value. Maybe they made a mistake here or there, but there's value. And in this conversation that we're about to have about diagnoses, there's value to be had no matter what your diagnosis is. Um, so this phrase came to my head, right? I posted on Twitter. For anybody who follows me, at Lion Mental. Lion Mental Health was too long. Twitter cut me off. <laughs> Maybe there's some other areas in my life which I should be cut off from. I don't know. But Twitter cut me off, at Lion Mental. I made this post, this quote. It said, your diagnosis is to create relief, not grief. Your diagnosis should create relief, not grief. 
A lot of people, when they receive their diagnosis, they feel grieved because there's a part of themselves that they feel ashamed of and guilty of. And it's almost as if someone gave them this terrible, terrible news, you have cancer or you have a terminal illness. I don't agree with that. I think we have struggles, but I think that just because we have a mental health diagnosis does not mean that we don't belong in the world. And so there's a couple points here. First of all comes this mental framework. When we receive our diagnosis, we believe I'm broken. And we believe we're broken because there's this golden standard of mental health, of neurotypical. And I'm here to say, I don't know why that would be a great standard. I think that everybody, and you know, God forbid, I'm a cliche therapist who says everybody's unique, but everybody's unique and has something valuable to offer. There's something beautiful about everyone being an individual and operating differently. So this standard is unattainable. You know, and I got to have a shout out to my friend, uh, Redemptive Rebecca. You know, I watch a lot of her videos too. And she talks about how the BMI chart has been this for her. There's this unrealistic standard of what your body mass index should be. You ever been to the doctor and they plot you on the chart? Here's your height, here's your weight, and boom, that's you. You're in the red, you're obese. I've had friends of mine who are bodybuilders, massive, just amazing and, and gifted individuals who the BMI chart calls them obese because their muscle mass is so big. I've had other people who are healthy as a horse uh, and because of their genetics, because of even their culture, even their ethnicity, they don't fit in the nice and neat BMI chart. Same thing with mental health and neurotypical. It's a flawed idea. It's a flawed goal. It's a flawed system. We need to shift this. The second thing that people believe when they get their mental health diagnosis is that because they're different, they're alone. Because they're different, they don't belong. It serves as a way not to empower them, but to separate them from the rest of the world. Here's everybody else and there's you. You don't fit. Your mind doesn't work the same as everybody else. It shouldn't. Your mind shouldn't work the same as everybody else. If everybody else's mind worked the same way, we never get anywhere. But it causes us to feel alone and separated. And in that, it causes us to feel shameful. There's a huge difference in there's an amazing researcher, her name's Brene Brown. Many of you have probably heard of her. She's very famous. She was on Oprah, the whole thing. Um, but she researches qualitatively the topic of shame. And she's come to make this distinction between guilt and shame. Guilt being, I made a mistake. I did something wrong. Shame being, I am something wrong. And when we receive a mental health diagnosis, we often erroneously believe this lie that I'm something wrong. Who I am, the way that my neural network fires is wrong. There's no hope. There's no changing. And so whether it's through circumstances and situations like trauma or through neurodevelopmental conditions like autism, like ADHD, or OCD, or anxiety, or depression, the ways that the neurochemicals inside of our brain fire differently from the rest of everybody, that causes us to feel separated, segregated, looked down upon. And so, of course, when we think about it in that framework, of course, receiving a mental health diagnosis is 
one of the worst things that could ever happen to a person. In fact, you probably should never go to therapy for risk of receiving one of these dreaded diagnoses. But that's where we have to change our perspective. That's where we're having this conversation together, you and me, to look at, is that a healthy framework by which to live my life? The answer would be no, of course not. That framework causes isolation, sadness. It causes us to hate ourselves, depression, all of these things. That framework doesn't work. We need a new framework. And so in that process of letting go of that framework, there's another feeling, grief. And when we receive this diagnosis, when we receive information from our medical providers or mental health professionals about who we are, the way our brain works, there's a sense of loss, loss of who we are, loss of our mental framework. And we love our mental framework. It keeps us safe. It gives us structure. And so here I am living my life thinking I'm neurotypical. Here I am thinking I operate this way. And then my therapist tells me that I have this. There's a part of me that dies that day. The part of me that believed I would be like everybody else passes away. And so, of course, there's immense sadness that many of us have experienced and feel. But as we know, even with dreams, oftentimes uh, those dreams that have death and sadness in them are the most encouraging because through the loss and through the pain of grief comes a new birth. And so by allowing that identity of ours to die, reborn is the new identity of who not only we can be now, but of who we were always meant to be. And so I get it. It's sad. It's painful to let go of who you thought you were going to be. Maybe you thought you'd be just like your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister or your friends. You're not going to be that. That future you passed away the day you got that diagnosis. And I get it. It's tough. And that's why there needs to be so much care inside that therapeutic relationship. But what's really cool about it is it gives the opportunity for you to actually be and unlock and unleash who you really are. So let's talk about that. Why do we diagnosis? <laughs> Why do we diagnosis? Why do we diagnose individuals, right? Uh, because if all these bad things happen, we probably just, just, just blissful ignorance, right? That is one possible option. And a lot of people choose that. A lot of people choose never to go to therapy and to never have this conversation with a mental health professional because they're like, well, if I'm going to be sad when I realize what I actually am, I might as well just never have the conversation. If I never have the conversation, I never have to be sad. Ignorance is not a solution. We know that. We know that. So let's figure out why we would do this. What is the benefit? Well, diagnoses are a label. Our culture has a lot of problems with labels. Everyone is something, and everyone's trying to find what their label is, and it creates a lot of division. And we're experiencing the shadow side of labels. But why did we originally have labels? Why, especially the ones that are controversial today, male and female? Why are they even there? Why are other ones like neurotypical and neuroatypical exist? Why are they around? Well, labels, very simply, are to give us a handle on things. Uh, if I want to describe something to you, I'm using labels, right? When I say word or microphone or camera or laptop, you conjure up an image inside of your mind that allows you to connect with me through my microphone, my camera, and my laptop. 
which is amazing. If you think about how powerful it is, it gives me a handle to take an idea and pull it out of the ether and hand it to you and say, here you go. I'm talking about my new cell phone. <laughs> and so you can think about the cell phones that you have. I know cell phones are great for apps and calling and texting. You can use social media on them. You know, that's how I found Jesse on TikTok. We're communicating. And so it gives us a handle to maneuver ideas. That's what labels are for, right? But we've lost the power of labels because labels have gone from being something that allows us to communicate to something that causes division. And when we start to use labels as weapons to attack other people, the beauty of labels is lost. The shadow side of labels becomes very apparent. And labels are, are a wonderful thing to help us connect. But when we lose that communication and we start to move into attacking, something very interesting happens to who we are as people. Labels for communication brings us together. But when I do, it's very subtle, but when I attach my identity, who I am as a human, to that label, I start to use it as a weapon. Because if you see me or you say something about me other than the label that I like, then you have assaulted who I am as a person. Now, some people do that. They're very malicious. They're very manipulative, insidious with their words and with their communication, and they're using labels as a weapon. I know that this label is important to you, so I'm going to use a different label to cut you down, right? That's not okay. It's also not okay to shut down communication just because somebody accidentally uses the wrong label, or maybe your label of family means something different than my label of family. To me, growing up in the ethnicity and culture I did, family means this. To you, that label of family may mean this. If you had a traumatic family, it means something wildly different than somebody who has a positive, happy, healthy family where they feel loved and supported. And see, now we miss that communication. It gets lost, right? So bringing it back, mental health diagnoses are to label to allow us to communicate, to allow us a cognitive structure by which to maneuver and to handle our life. You know, if I can't hold onto the handlebars of my bicycle, I can't turn it and direct it. Labels for our mental health are the handlebars that move and maneuver our life in the direction that we want it to go. And this is why it should be empowering, not grieving, right? So that's kind of why we label. Now, with that sort of insidious nature of labels, with the shadow side of labels, something very painful happens for those who attach that label to themselves as a person and don't just use it as a thought manipulator. When it becomes a human manipulator, it becomes very toxic. And two things happen. We use it to attack others and we start to use it as an excuse. Because if I am autistic, right? If I am ADHD, if I'm neuroatypical, then you don't get to say, hey, Jesse, what you said to me was rude and mean. I'm not, I'm not neurotypical. You can't expect me to be nice to you. I'm not neurotypical. Imagine if every narcissist felt empowered by, I'm a narcissist, you can't expect me to be nice to you. I, by definition, am supposed to be manipulative. And then they use that as an excuse to not improve on themselves. Ooh, dangerous. So how do we move from grief to relief with our doubt? I already messed up. 
So how do we move from grief to relief with our mental health diagnosis? Well, the first part is by changing what this diagnosis means for us. Instead of it being an excuse, instead of it being a way for us to feel isolated or alone or broken, it can actually become validation. And validation meaning that the experience that you have is okay. And so there's so many people who come into my office who I get the beautiful opportunity of listening to their story and they tell me, this is what it felt like. This is what I went through. This is the experience that I had. And in a place where many, many other people have told them, don't feel that way. Just look at the bright side. Don't be anxious. What's there to be stressed about? Ah, you just got to get over it. I get the opportunity to say to them, that makes sense. You know, what you're describing, I probably would feel the same way too. If I was in your shoes, I would be just right there with you. And you can see just the visceral, physical effect that that has on a human being. It causes their shoulders to relax. You can see their chest finally release the air that they've been holding with the tension that lives inside their hearts. You can see that crease in between their eyebrows finally smooth out because they're being held and they're being accepted for who they are and what they've experienced. It's very common for the brain when we experience particularly trauma or even the trauma of feeling like we don't fit because our brain is not neurotypical. It's very common for the brain when it experiences that to blame the self and to say, I'm the problem. I'm the issue. I'm the reason that I didn't get picked in school. I'm the reason that I failed that test. I'm the reason that my parents don't accept me for who I am or that I never found love or that that relationship ended in the way that it wasn't supposed to. It's normal because the brain wants to take control. The brain wants to feel and the person wants to feel in control in out of control situations. It's not abnormal to do that. In fact, it's a very well-known trauma response. And when I get to talk with people and listen genuinely to their story and they trust me enough to open up with actually what it felt like to go through that, and then at the end of that vulnerability of them standing naked and afraid and <sighs> courageous in the face of feelings that they don't know how to make sense of them, and I get to say, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I would feel that way too. They find their place. And it's amazing that we have that opportunity as human beings with each other to help them find their place. And so validation not only relieves the tension of feeling like I'm a mess, like I'm fucked up, but it also gives them the opportunity to find other people who have felt that same thing, to find that support, to find where they belong. And I'm not just talking support groups. I'm talking my brain works differently than most. What's cool is there's other people who are smart and capable and talented and motivated and happy whose brains also work in the same way. For instance, a lot of people don't know that many, many, if not most, I would say, CEOs and successful entrepreneurs uh, don't have neurotypical brains. They're usually ADHD or on the autism spectrum because their brains literally think in ways that are different than most, allowing them to have ideas, opportunities, and inventions that nobody else would think about, that make the world literally a better place. How great is it that you can be, or that someone with that diagnosis can be counted 
among those people, among those individuals who are inspiring and validating. Hey, I was that kid who did bad in school. I was that kid who had no friends. I was that kid who didn't know if I would ever find love. And look, it's a struggle sometimes, but I'm happy. There's hope at the end of this. There's a way to make it through. And so it gives someone the opportunity. It's why I do this on the internet. I was that kid who wasn't sure what the future would hold or if I was normal or if I didn't fit in. I didn't have a lot of friends. And so now I get the opportunity to talk with people and be like, hey, uh, look, it's, it's going all right. There's tough days, but I'm, I'm happy. Don't give up. There's other people like you who have made it through, which means that you can make it through too. And there's nuances about your situation that are different than others, but it doesn't mean that you can't overcome them just the way that others have overcome them. You're not alone. And it does a second thing, validation. Not only do you find where you belong with other human beings, but it gives other people the opportunity to understand and to accept you as well. It gives them a label to say, oh, this is you. This is what you experience. I don't get it. My brain doesn't work that way. But now I understand, oh, that's, that's what this is called. Autism spectrum or ADHD or trauma or depression or OCD. Okay, I'm getting it. Remember, communication. It allows you to communicate effectively with another person and say, this is, this is what I experience on a daily basis. And then it gives them the opportunity, okay, I don't know what that is, but uh, I now have a word I can Google. <laughs> I now have the opportunity, I can, I can read, I can educate myself on what that experience might be like so I can better develop a relationship and a connection with you sharing my experience and with your unique experience as well connection and validation. And so it moves from isolation to celebration. You are different, you are unique. And this allows you to connect with others who are different and unique because there's mutual respect for what that is. But there's another thing, not only validation, <laughs> but even though this term is a little bit overused, your diagnosis and those labels should be empowering. The moment that they're not empowering, they've lost their use or they are being misused. What I mean by that is it gives you a platform upon which to stand to reach for things that are higher than what you might have tried to reach for if you didn't know who you were. You know, if we try and fit ourselves in a box that we don't belong in, we're digging ourselves a hole and we're trying to reach for the fruit that's above us, uh, but we're at a deficit because we're expecting ourselves to be something that we're not, so we're in a hole. Having your appropriate label, having your appropriate diagnosis gives you a foundation to stand upon to reach that much higher, because you're not fighting yourself. You're not digging a hole into the ground and trying to reach up and only reaching a few inches in the air. It empowers you to go further. And really, I think the best way to say this is with the words of Socrates, little, you know, maybe tongue in cheek here too, a little bit cliche, but it was Socrates, the moral philosopher who said, man, know thyself. Encouraging people and understanding that one of the things that creates dissonance and disconnection between human beings is a lack of internal awareness. If I don't know who I am, how can I know who you are? 
If I'm in a constant struggle and sitting in my bedroom hating who I am because I don't fit the box that I was told that I should fit in, how can I accept who you are? Because either you don't fit in the box and therefore are a reflection of the things that I hate about myself, or you do fit in the box and you're the very thing that makes me most insecure about who I am. And it becomes so tense. But if we can know thyself, it frees us from the shackles of self-deprecation, of second-guessing, of being confused about our perception. If I know who I am, I understand the lens through which I'm viewing the world. And again, it breaks down those barriers to communication. I now no longer have to fight so much to feel love and accepted by others. I'm empowered by this is a part of my experience as a person. This is my sexuality. This is my gender identity. This is my mental health diagnosis. This is my favorite flavor of ice cream. Those should all be the same. Those should all be parts of how we understand and accept ourselves. And so I'm just so honored that part of my job is helping people understand who they are deeply and intimately. Because the more that we're able to love ourselves and break down those barriers, the more that we're able to create love with other people. And there was a time, there's been many times in my life where I haven't known if I belonged. There was a lot of times where I didn't know if I was, I was okay or I was right. But I learned. I was like, well, it's... <laughs> It's either educate and figure it out, or it's a really dark path that leads to self-destruction. Maybe literal, maybe self-sabotage, maybe a little bit covert, but it's either empowerment or destruction. And so I get to encourage other people by saying, hey, it was a lot of reading, it was a lot of research, it was a lot of self-work of saying, hey, I can't accept the reality that I'm just broken or I'm bad. I have to know how I fit. And now because I've found a way that I fit and an understanding and a mental framework that kind of makes sense of the world, I get to share it with other people like you and say, hey, it's time to not grieve the person that you never were, but instead to validate and celebrate and to feel relieved by the person that you've always been. And so I share that with you now. Talk with your friends. Talk with your mental health provider. Find out who you are. It's not your identity, but it's a piece of you, and it can both validate and empower your experience as a person. And as much as I've worked on myself to develop and have a lot of work yet to do, and that work has been able to be shared with you through the things that I've learned, so I appreciate you sharing being an audience and working with me and viewing the stuff that I do, it's empowering to me too. You make a difference, I make a difference, and we come together to make it better. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit cliche, uh, but maybe it is for a reason because it's the way it was always supposed to be. So thanks for being here. I hope that helps. I'm sure we'll talk about it again soon, but until then, peace. This episode of the Tripping Off Podcast was sponsored by HD Counseling. 
They are truly the future of therapy, with a network of over 50 therapists in the Orlando and Winter Park area who each specialize in different mental health topics. They provide the care and empathy needed to truly change your life. What makes them unique is that each therapist runs their own business under the cooperative of HD Counseling. So no matter what you're going through, you will receive an independent, highly motivated therapist who will care and empower you to create change in your life. Even if you are outside the Orlando area, every therapist offers telehealth sessions to anyone in the state of Florida. Find your perfect therapist at www.hdcounseling.com. They are committed to your growth.